This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. In five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. How is everybody doing? Salutations and blessings. And it's going to be a fun day because we got Joe Jitsukawa. Howdy do, everybody. It's been like five months. I'm happy to be back on the Genius Brain Show. Pew, 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 pew. Only one person is allowed to give people life advice on this, and it's fucking Joe. <laughs> and there's been so many really? like stockpiles of like, yo, I need advice, I need advice, but it's only one motherfucker that can give it to you. We just combine forces, man. So, first one up. We have this is somebody who's anonymous. So when you guys write the stuff to the Genius Brain Podcast email or you write it in the Patreon, uh, this is from a Patreon member. They get first dibs always. And here we go. Let's talk about some genius suggestions, baby. Uh today is a hey guys, big fan of the podcast. Love listening to your episodes as I go about my daily life. The I can't get girls because I'm Asian episode really resonated with me as I was that person before. Ooh. Ooh. Good. The first step is to realizing your addictions. (laughs) Uh, I grew up the only Asian in a white countryside town. Oh, that's hard. And was bullied and I hated myself for being Asian. Oh, man. Poor dude. Everybody has those personal stories. Like the way that you think, it never just just happens out of nowhere. There's always something for the reason why you either behave a certain way or you have a certain mindset. And clearly that this was it. Poor dude, man. Yeah. However, after moving away to America as a teen, I was surrounded by Asians that were comfortable with their race, and I shed that part of myself away by working on different parts of my life, having relationships, and becoming more confident. So I agree a lot with your idea that Asian men need to better themselves to change per- uh, the the perception of them. Yeah, kind of, kind of like that, but more more in the sense of just don't make uh, excuses for it. And there's. Uh, Probably a lot of other reasons other other than the fact that you're Asian that you're not getting yeah, a girl. Yeah, work on yourself, not yeah. you know think about yourself as a title or a label. Yeah, good for you, guy. Um, I'm, however, I'm curious what country he he left to. He says he left to America. He left out of America. Yeah, I, I wonder too. Damn. What now type it's of a mystery? Asian? Are yeah. you Chinese, Korean, Indian? Hmm. Yeah. However, there's something that is still eating at me, and I'd like to remain anonymous, if possible. No problem, Jason. No, I'm kidding. That's not his name. Ah. <laughs> I'm fucking around. That's not his name. He didn't put his name on here. Uh, I had a negative sexual experience with a girl, a Korean girl. Uh, after we hooked up, she messaged some mutual friends and made fun of me for having a small dick. I did not expect that. I mean, well, she's Asian herself, right? Yeah. So, like, it's not like a white girl is going around and saying you got a little dick. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I don't mean to laugh at you. It's just I didn't think that that was the advice that you're going to ask for. <laughs> threw me off a little I know bit. it is it is kind of shocking. Yeah, it threw me off a little bit. Cuz he's all like I have this hard like thing that she she fucking made fun of my dick like 
I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Well, what a That's bitch. fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. What a bitch. Let's start with that. Um, Maybe you can message all their friends and say she had a stanky ass pussy. <laughs> and you had to go get tested because you thought that you were going to get some kind of disease from her. So this is not the first time as another girl. Oh, my goodness. Um, another girl, also Asian, told me my dick was small before as well. You have very interesting women in your wow. life. Huh? Uh, I've tried, <laughs> I've tried to push this out of my mind as people tell me it's not the size that matters in bed, but unlike my character, job or personal life, it is not something that I can work on and change. I know there will always be women with their own personal preferences, but I can't seem to shake this feeling of inadequacy. I think it sucks that, okay, I don't even know how you even get into this conversation or are women just saying, Ooh, that's a small dick. Like what, what's happening here? Yeah. There's like two things that I kind of want to wonder. I'm so confused. I wish you would have sent me a picture of your dick so I could go ahead and see this as well. Just because at this point, it's all imagination, baby. I, uh, hmm. And there are honestly like women come in different shapes and sizes, right? Yeah. And okay. Unless you have a micro penis, I think it's going to be completely different difficult or different like there's petite girls out there that yeah yeah i mean they can handle big dicks and i've seen many um very good films <laughs> like how you called it a film <laughs> some award-winning films i've seen some really good award-winning spectacular mm-hmm. artistic films where sometimes you see the actress and you go wow how is this uh you know, schoolgirl, petite schoolgirl gonna fucking be able to fit this baby arm. Yeah. <laughs> this gigantic but she makes toddler's it work. arm. And I'm just like, wow. But at the same time, like, I mean, just from my own experience, girls do feel different too. Like there's some where they're just like super loose and I feel like I'm just thrusting air and there's some that are like super duper tight that it kind of hurts and I don't enjoy having sex with them. And then like, there's a thrusting air. Mesh motherfucker is a fucking cave of wonders. How many people have blasted their penis inside that thing? <laughs> I don't even know if it's that. It just might be just a loose vagina. She's just a different size. For Practice me, you your know? kegels. Yeah, I don't know. We're just different sizes. We're not meant to fit, I guess. But like, I'm pretty sure the, that girl probably thinks I have a small ass dick. And then the other girl who like, I was like, damn, it just so tight that it hurt me and it's not enjoyable. She probably thinks like, oh, you're a fucking stallion, right? So it could be that maybe it just depends on the women that you're with. Yeah. So he's asking, I was, he goes, so he says, um, I know there will always be women with their own personal preferences, but I can't seem to shake this feeling of inadequacy, which is affecting my confidence when approaching women. I've seen a therapist about this, but it has not helped so far. I was wondering if you had any advice on getting out of this mindset and rut. Yeah, learn how to eat some pussy really good. Like, I, <laughs> Honestly, like... There's, there's other ways. Okay, so I think a lot of guys, too, think that having... Okay, the the intercourse, right? Like having a... So we think we get pleasure through um, intercourse, like putting it in, right? Yeah. So like, because the, the best feeling is like around our head or whatever. And then, well, women, their head is their, their clit. It's not even in the pussy. It's like on the top. Yeah. So like filling her up and doing that, I've heard that it's so different depending on who you're talking to like some girls like you know they're like yeah i don't really 
you know, care about being filled up like that. And then big dicks actually suck or like whatever. And then if you think about most dildos or just most like toys, they're smaller. You know, they're not as big as you think. It's like pornos make you think having a big ass dick and you're filling her up and you're putting her through pain is like the shit. But I don't think that basically I don't think that guys our criteria for our size and all that is as important as we think it is. Yeah. Just from all the evidence and just from the talking to women and like from that, like obviously I think a woman can explain this better than I can because I'm not a girl and I don't know the sensations, but the evidence points to that it doesn't seem to matter that much. And how many women actually say it's not about the size, like size don't fucking matter. I think for him, the harsh part is, is that he heard from two people that he was sexually active with. Yeah. That said true. that his, his dick was small, which but is very- they not like it though. Like, cause that's, there's one thing to saying small, but then it's like different from being unpleasurable. Like if mm. you have a micro penis and it doesn't fill me up and it's unpleasurable, like, because you can be big and unpleasurable. I wish you would have gave us like a size metric. Like if you said that, okay, I have a four inch penis, yeah. right? That's not a micro penis. It's, 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 it's not a <laughs> yeah, micro penis. It's not. But at the same time, I think like I'm saying is like guys don't know how, okay, like the way that it's kind of like this, like guys send dick pics to girls, right? Because they think that they're all going to fucking like this shit, but they're like, that's not the yeah. sensation that they get. Yeah. Like it's not the same. Like we're we're putting our own experience and thinking that women are are experiencing the same shit, right? So yeah. they're thinking, well, we like body parts, so maybe we can send the body part and turn them on. And I think it's the same thing that's happening here where he feels like he can't please his woman because he's not big enough. But then what I realized is that the reason why a lot of women say like it doesn't matter what the size is because there's so many other things that you can do to make her fucking come. Because now I'm wondering too, like in his case, um, first of all, my friend, I've never had this problem. <laughs> but uh, look, I'm fucking around. No, but seriously, I never have. But in, in your case too, maybe you're just not good at fucking. Yeah. It's it, like, it, might, it might be that. It could you know, be. Because... You know, we're not, I don't want to be as, first of all, uh, when it comes to like. That's another insecurity that he could get now too. It's yeah. like, now he's his dick small, he can't fuck either. My bad, bro. But when it, when, I'm trying to make you feel better. Um, number one, I haven't, I'm not, I haven't been as sexually active as other men, right? I think when it comes to sexual partners, I probably have had about uh, maybe like six or seven, seven or eight, something like that, right? Not very much for, for someone who's been around for 30 years, mm-hmm. right? Compared to my friends, they've had. I know some guys that are in their hundreds. Yeah, hundreds, thirties, forties, right? Yeah. I've never been that sexually active. I was more of a get to know somebody and kind of develop like a, a romantic relationship. And that kind of brings me that way, right? Um, one of the things that I did, and I and I mentioned this before back in the day in a vlog, was that uh I used to have this perception that I was really that I, I thought I was decent at sex only because if I thought if I felt good that the other person would yeah. feel good as well. Right. Not the fucking case. No. Had no fucking idea. There was one girl that I dated. Um, she was more sexually experienced than I was. And she was older. Uh, when we had sex, I remember <laughs> I asked her, I was like, how was it? And she goes, 
meh. Yeah. And she went, meh. And that shit fucking hurt my feelings. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? And then she kind of told me like why I wasn't very good at what I thought I was good at, right? Yeah. It had nothing to do with a size factor. It had nothing to do with anything else, right? It had everything to do with the fact, in my case anyways, that I thought if it felt good for me, it felt good for her, yeah. right? But there was just a whole other... There was a, a the foreplay aspect that I wasn't thinking yep. about. There was an emotional aspect I wasn't thinking about. A whole other stuff. Obviously, some people are just are just down to fuck all the time. If that's the type of woman that you're looking for, uh, I can't really speak for that because I haven't been with women like that before. Yeah. So, um, but in that case, and it seems like you're in a serious relationship, um, conversation is something that you should have. If something, if if having sex is not something that you consider your forte, which isn't something of mine as well, but conversation is key. Like I have. In my serious relationships, I've always asked what they like, how they like it, and if they dislike something. Yeah, and is this is the small mean bad? Yeah. I think that's the thing too, because like, I don't know, man. I I know, to me, like, I have yet to meet a woman where she's like, I want a such a big fucking dick that it rips my pussy apart <laughs> and I can't walk for days. Yeah. Like, guys are always talking like that. It's like, I fucked her so good. She could have walked for days, you know? But, and then, like, I guess. rarely, I've I actually don't even know one yeah. where I heard where a girl's like, yeah, I want a dick that's massive and it fucking feels so big and it hurts me. Like, I'll, I'll put it in perspective like this, right? So, uh, I wasn't a part of this conversation, but the, the, this was from a, a group of homegirls, right? Mm -hmm. And they were talking about dick size, right? And this, there's a couple of things that you could take away from this. Like, number one, how either guys lie about dick size, or number two, girls don't know the actual size of fucking dicks that go inside them, mm. right? So, and that could also be because guys lie about dick size, that they think that this is what it actually is. So, in these uh, group of friends that I know, and this conversation came to me, we were all just chopping it up, just joking around. And uh, one of our friends, she goes... I, she goes, she goes, I like big dicks, yeah. right? And they're like, oh, okay. They're like, you like big dicks? Like, okay, what, what do you mean big dick, right? And so uh, one of the girls, they were fucking around and then she showed them a picture of a, of a dick, right? She had a dick on her phone. Yeah. And she goes, is this too big or is this too small, right? She goes, that's big. She looks pretty big. And they're like, oh, that's big to you? And they're like, how big is that? That's like eight inches, right? Yeah. I didn't see the dick, but the girls were cracking the fuck up yeah. because it wasn't an eight inch dick. It was like an average like fiver or something like that, right? She goes, you think this is an eight inch dick? She goes, that's like eight inches, right? It's like, no, it's not. It's not fucking eight inches. So, you know, even like this perception of size, unless the girl's whipping out a fucking ruler, yeah. you know, like, how, she gonna know? how does she really know? And this girl wasn't also a very sexually active girl too, oh. but in her mind, what she considered a huge penis was actually wasn't that fucking <laughs> I big. Know. Right, which it was is just a, pretty average. Which is which yeah. was an average dick. It was whatever five inches, according to the to, to the girl that was talking about it. Right, and it that that in and of itself just kind of shows how arbitrary size is sometimes. If if I were to say it from that perspective, because yeah. this girl was talking about she likes big cocks or whatever, and what she saw <laughs> that what she said was a big penis was an average size penis. And a big cock to me is like three soda cans stacked up. <laughs> no, you know, and you know, porn also kind of fucks up a lot of people's perception of what a huge penis should be. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Maybe you realize that your mental health needs a boost or it's just something you haven't really focused on in your life. I personally have done online counseling and therapy and it's been great. Mental health has been a huge focus in my life, especially the past year, and it's something that I believe that people should tend to on a consistent basis. BetterHelp is great because they can match you with your own professional licensed therapist. You can schedule your sessions via phone, communicate and message online, video calls, and you can even change your counselor's 
if needed. If you want to give this a try, of course, for my Genius Brain listeners, I got the hookup for you to get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. Just type in betterhelp.com slash genius to get that offer today. Once again, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash genius to get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp to a better you, right? Because you're seeing these girls are like, yeah, I want this huge dick. And it's literally half their fucking face. It's like the biggest thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. You and, know? I, and I've seen a lot of naked men at the spa and I'm just like, that's not the average, dude. Yeah. Like when you're in the Korean spot, you might see one, I call them uh, Sundayungs. Sundayungs. <laughs> you know, Sundayungs, the fucking yeah. black sausage, the yeah. big ass. You might see one or two, but a lot of them are not like that. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's very odd how we do this comparison game. <laughs> I think it sucks for you in the case that you had two women who were very insensitive, by the way. Dude, that sucks. Yeah. Or he could have been like, so how is it? Is my dick normal? Is it what? What do you oh, think? Oh, maybe he asked And him. then she's like, yeah, it's kind of small. Yeah. You know, and, and then like the, the fact that just hearing that it's small and then like he doesn't know any, like he has to draw his own conclusions. That means he didn't ask the right questions. And if it's something that you're so quote unquote insecure about, or you feel like you have a small dick, right? <laughs> like, and you're already oh going into that thought, which is already hard to deal with in and of itself. You, you do realize that there's a lot of other ways for you to fulfill that sexual need. Yeah, see, there's guys with no dick, man. There's guys that lose their fucking dick to cancer, and then they're like still finding ways to get with hundreds of women. Like, it, there's a story of this guy. He's like a fucking Rico Suave, and he knows how to, like, eat pussy like a master. And he <laughs> just keeps dating so many women. I think that the feeling of inadequate, he just feels like maybe he can't change this about himself and that, you know, he's no longer going to be able to please women. But like I said, like, he's putting himself and thinking from a guy's perspective, right? And it's almost like blanketing and thinking that all women are like one fucking way. But the cool thing about human beings is like a lot of people just want different things. Yeah. Like not everybody, you know, some some people I know like they don't even want to have intercourse. They just want to have oral sex all day. Yeah. Like so it really depends. Like you can't outright think that you're not going to be able to please someone because – I don't know, man. It just doesn't work that way. Also, too, it, it really depends because if you're if you're trying to just casually hook up with somebody and they're saying like, oh, like his dick is small, <laughs> motherfucker, you you knew what you was walking into. You're you're just casually hooking up with somebody. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. If you got a small dick and th- <laughs> them's his facts, boy, them's his facts. That's all yeah. that it is. If it's somebody, game, it's like imagine this. Well, what if you had a normal dick or a big dick, but then it didn't work? Like, because there are people out there that that had that, and then they're just like. They'll be like, well, I would gladly take a small dick that works. Yeah. Right? Like, or what if you had, I mean, there's just so many different things like and I, to worry about. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's, and if you're thinking about just like the, the hookup situation too, whatever happens in a hookup situation, it happens. And you shouldn't really take any any weight with it because it's something that's an on and off thing. Right? And if, I'm like I said, I don't know the size of your dick. Right? Mm-hmm. But let's just say per se. It's like three inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty small fucking dick. If you have a really tiny dick and that's what they observed and they've never been with a penis that small, they might say that. I think more of a problem would be if you were in a in a committed relationship and this is something that has been bothering her for a while. Yeah. If it's a hookup situation and you got Move a small on. dick, whatever. Yeah. You got it. 
you hooked up with the person you're not looking for a long-term relationship then why does it matter yeah you know an average size i heard it like there's like a chart of all these different average sizes from a con- condom company so like there's i don't know like there's places in the world where like three inches is normal or whatever and i think like just look at the chart i think it was like vietnam or thailand or one of the southeast asian countries Mm -hmm. but they have a different size like level it's different from the uh from america and i know because like i um i used a vietnamese condom (laughs) for scientific scientific purposes purposes. And I thought something was weird because it didn't feel the same. Yeah. And then my friend's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You got to bring American ones. Like, it just, it's like, I was like, I thought it was just cheaper or some shit. And Mm. then they're like, no, no, no. It's like, it's just tighter and smaller. And I was like, oh, fuck. I didn't know that. So, hey, man, like, like I said, like. Different strokes for different folks. Yeah. It just, just, it kind of sucks with this trauma thing. I'm not going to tell you just to kind of get over it because I don't know what it's like to be in that situation. Me neither. But at the same time for you, you know, you can't just base your whole sexual experience off of two, two very particular things. Like once again, if you, if you know that for a fact, let's say you do have a micro penis, then that is what it is. It is. Right. But if you have like a regular length girthed penis yep. and, and somebody tells you that it's small I, I don't think that's really a you issue in terms of size yep. it might be more of an issue of how you used it uh if you're good at fucking maybe you never really had a conversation with the girl where you actually figured out uh good things or dope shit to do yeah. that's the funny thing it's like some of these dudes who get advice from uh other dudes about how a woman's body works is fucking ridiculous because you should probably ask a woman yeah you know though she'll she'll a girl it's will fascinating know. dude because it's so different too you you can talk to a thousand different girls and it's just so different like for all of it's not like guys yeah you find out how to make one guy come it's like it's pretty simple pretty much figured out the rest yeah but for girls it's like they're all different. It's like having a fucking 1982 Corolla that only only the owner knows how to make it work. You got to fucking dangle the key. You got to fucking slap the top. You got to do all this other shit. Blink the lights. Yeah. And then maybe the engine will turn on. Yeah. A girl is like a Nintendo game. You got to fucking. <laughs> you got to blow the fucking cartridge. You got to fucking yeah. spit on the cartridge yeah. and fucking blow on it. You got to put it under your T-shirt and blow on that. Yeah. Dude. It's, it's, it's interesting, though, in your case, man. Like, it sucks that. I guess that was the conversation. It kind of sucks that the girl went and told her friends and it kind of got to you. I mean, you know, people be chatting. I'm pretty sure guys do the same thing. I know, man. That sucks. It sucks that you had to hear that. Um, it's a pretty big deal, though. When we used to run Ask the Feels, it was like pretty much conversations like sexual shit. And every week we would have about, we would have about at least 20 to 30 questions of guys saying that, is my dick big enough? Because I think it's like a big deal for guys to have like a good size penis i remember the first time i saw one of my friend's dicks <laughs> this motherfucker dude you he was how, wait, how do you see your friend's dick so this is what happened right so he would always say that he had a big dick right yeah. 
as a as a joke, as an ongoing joke. This guy was a very unique human being, by the way. <laughs> I'm talking about he's such an odd human being that when we used to play ball, this motherfucker used to always hoop while smoking a cig. He always what had a he, he always had a cigarette in his fucking mouth as well, he's, he's talking one. about how big his dick is. <laughs> and he, he would always fucking play ball with a wow. fucking uh fucking marble in his fucking mouth, just uh smoking up and shooting. He was a very odd character. But he was always talking about how big his dick was. And one time he got really drunk and he was like, You guys want to see my dick? And we're like, No, we don't want to see your fucking dick. He goes, well, you don't got a fucking choice. He doesn't whip it out, yeah. right? He just outlines his dick on his basketball oh shorts. Oh, my God. And that shit was a fucking tumor. That motherfucker was huge. I I was shocked. He's like maybe 5'4". <laughs> if he fell over, he would be fine. He would wow. just balance on that bitch. That motherfucking wow. thing was huge. I had a homegirl that hooked up with him. Yeah. And she said that it was huge, but she didn't say it in a good way. She said it She's was like, oh, she was, well, I mean, she was a pretty uh, small little Asian, oh, no. small little Korean girl, but that thing was huge. And, but he would talk about it. He's like, you want to see it? <laughs> <laughs> he would talk about it. Like it was his, you know, crown jewel. Like it was the he most has nothing of, else going for him. But <laughs> smoke a cigarette and play ball. But you know, in that case, when that girl was talking about it, she was like, yeah, it was really uncomfortable mm-hmm. or whatever. But even for me, when I was younger, I didn't really care. I was like, I still wish I had that big old dick though. <laughs> but you know, everybody different strokes for different folks. Yeah. There might be a girl out there who's who has a cavernous pussy and that he might have to fill. Have you seen Bobby Lee's dick? No. <laughs> I've really for all the times you've been there? I saw the back of his ball sack. Oh what? <laughs> we were we were doing a live Tiger Belly show. Yeah. And this fool was up and about, and of course he decided to strip at his show. <laughs> and his ball Bobby Lee's ball sack hangs so fucking low I could see it from behind. Really? That shit <laughs> He showed me his dick. Oh my god, yeah. why? <laughs> he came downstairs and it was uh George and fucking um fucking uh, Gilbert and we're just hanging out and you know how like in his set, well back then, uh it was that closet with a mirror. Yeah. And then he pulled down his pants and he's checking if his dick is still there and he's like, "Man, it's not getting bigger or what something." The fuck? He said some funny shit like that, right? And I was like, "Holy fuck." And he turns around and he shows uh, George or, or I forgot if it was George or Bryce, but he was standing by the camera. And I was like, is this an everyday thing? That's fucking funny, dude. <laughs> that feels hilarious. Yeah, man. Yeah, but I saw the, the back of his ball sack. Also, kid, <laughs> uh, if you're fat and you lose weight, the fat will disappear around your penis. It'll make you look bigger. I know for a fact. <laughs> I know for a fact. It's true. Damn. On to the next one. I hope that helped you out, Anonymous. <laughs> dick talk dick talk uh here's another one hi david uh i listen to i listen to most of your podcast and a lot of what is said on podcast resonates with me and it actually helps me understand my own feelings reactions because sometimes i just don't know how to put how i f- uh, feel into words uh i'm from the oc okay what's up you were on the corner uh so it's super cool to watch someone who can speak and relate to shit that i go through with lies within the vicinity of me um this is going to be a long story my name I don't know if you told me to be anonymous. I'm just going to fake your name just in case. My name is Priscilla. <laughs> I'm 26 years old. My mom had me at the age of 17. Okay. Okay. Your mom's a little ABG. Uh, and my dad was 22 years old. He is an Asian gang member. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, member that is now serving a life sentence with without parole from a crime he committed in 1996 damn he was one of the ogs Mm -hmm. from that era Uh, from my understanding when my dad found out my mom was pregnant he left and moved away i never found out about my dad's incarceration until i grew older my mom picked up the pieces and she worked 
uh, at jobs that I wasn't proud of. I witnessed my mom bring multiple men around me and I get confused with their names. And so to make it easier for her, she would make me call them all daddy. So I don't have to keep track of who's who I grew up seeing and feeling, uh, physically slash verbal abuse all the time. I see my uncle get stabbed in front of me. Damn girl. What the fuck is going on? Um, and while growing up with a broken culture, uh, all this occurred before I was the age of 10. Fuck, dude, this is a lot of trauma. Uh, my grandma raised me for most of my life. She is deaf, so my first language is sign language and then English. That's fucking dope. People would question why I don't speak Vietnamese if my ethnicity is Vietnamese. It would be complex to explain my situation, so sometimes I'd lie and say I'm another race to avoid these questions. I used to question why I, did I learn a pointless language that I can only use with my grandma and no one else. It was aggravating that I can't understand or fluently speak the language of my own people, and I grew bitter knowing I was going to be an outcast from the very beginning. My high school peers would spread rumors about me being a whore because they spotted my mom working in a Vietnamese coffee shop. Those are fantastic institutions, by the way. Uh, people would tell me all girls who work in these Vietnamese coffee shops are sluts and whores. Jesus. Uh, they would Not really. Yeah. Vietnamese coffee. Okay. We're going to talk about that. They would taunt me, they would taunt me and say, uh, like mother, like daughter. Uh, I was in a dark place all throughout high school because of these misconceptions. I asked myself, why don't I fit in anywhere? Why do people always treat me different everywhere I go? Am I a disgrace to the Vietnamese community? Was I born into the world to be a fuck up? Moving every year took a toll on my ability to make connections. It was hard for me to admit, find real friends because I wasn't able to relate to any of them. And the ones I finally found in a, uh, find any kind of connection were bad news and they couldn't understand support my background traumas the way I wanted them to. I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb everywhere I go. I would seek validation from others often and this led to poor judgment and into uh, a lot of bad situations. It's kind of cool that you're very self-aware though. Mm -hmm. um, I'm horrified to have children because I feel like I would fail as a parent if they went – if if they went through what I went through. As of today, I don't speak to my mom or dad. My dad tried reaching out to me when I was 14 years old, but at that point, I felt he missed that opportunity to make a connection with me in the back of my mind. I'd feel that he's only talk talking to me because he's in there and I'm out here. After all, he made his choice and left me and my mom. My mom was bad with money, so she would take money from my brother and me for uh, for her gambling habits. I feel like they both failed as my parents. I cut them off uh, both of, off completely after high school, so I'm not reminded of my past. I can tell people judge me without fully understanding my situation. Uh, people judge me for not having a father and automatically labeled me a whore since that's how they viewed my mom. If I wasn't made to fit, then I wanted to teach the, uh, myself that I had to present a tough exterior so I can stop being bullied. Thus, I surrounded myself with gang members. So you can see how this was setting me up to go down a bad path. I wanted to belong somewhere, even if, I, if it meant sacrificing my sanity and dignity for that kind of validation. I witnessed enough stabbings and shootings to finally understand that this is not the life I want to live because one day I'll end up in a body bag and no one would look, would look after my grandma or my younger half-brother. It took me a long time to pull myself out of that hole and not get my act together. I wish I got it together sooner than I did. Then maybe I wouldn't have suffered as much. My question for you, how can you escape the gang life sooner if that's all you knew growing up? Man, this is actually really good because I know quite a few people who have done this. Mm -hmm. um, me, myself included. There it is. Because <laughs> I... <laughs> Yeah, I well, thought I, I should have got I should have got out of this sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Is it okay to not forgive or let toxic family members back into your life? Ooh, that's a good one too. Am I being too stubborn to let anyone in due to my defense mechanism or do I have the right to feel and enforce the way I feel? Thank you for reading this far. I know it's a handful. I feel that uh I felt that you would know how to reply in a logical way that makes sense to me. I waited so long to finally write it all out and even if it's on this platform and gets ignored or skipped, I feel now I feel like I know where I finally stand with my own feelings. Um and she has a link to where I, where I could read about her dad's case later. This is so interesting, right? And we've always talked about this too, um, how when I was younger, 
I would probably have looked at somebody like this and I would have had a already a preconceived notion about who this person is, right? Nobody is ever the way that they are simply because of it. We say yeah. this repetitively on this podcast because- She would have been my homegirl. <laughs> I know. But you know what the thing is? She would have been my fucking girlfriend. I don't know. Like, this was my world, bro. Like, this is- It's so interesting. And it's so interesting that you bring this up because I think um, it's interesting how, how young she is, but this is more of how current it was when it was when we were younger. Yeah. Your story actually right now, though, it's very- for a lot of people, it might seem very unique. I knew a lot of people like this. Maybe, and, yeah. and it's funny because, like, maybe that it, it's so weird. Like, that's why kids bullied her. Mm. But then I, like, so growing up, this was more normal. Yeah. So you wouldn't feel so weird. Ostracized. Like, yeah, because there's so many kids that are in the same shoes, like, with parents that are in, in 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 crime or they're 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 doing some fucked up shit you know they're gambleholics or whatever it is like half of my school was like that so um all the kids that were goody two shoes or judgmental or whatever they were terrified of what we would do to them if they made us feel any type of negativity it's yeah, weird it's because crazy. I, I specifically don't know how you feel, but I do understand what it feels like to be ostracized, what it, what it feels like to be pushed aside. And I do understand what it feels like not to belong anywhere, especially at a very young age, yeah. especially because of certain stuff that you didn't do. Like you are now being judged for the behavior of your parents. And right? it makes sense. Like she went down the path of confining in people that went through trauma similar to hers because it's it's true like i always said this too it's like i get way closer to people who's been through physical abuse or who's been through like lower income situations because for me um you know like you know it's it's not to me i think class brings people closer than race yeah like sometimes yeah you have culture and race but then for me like we have this multicultural group of friends but what ties us together is also kind of family dysfunction, um, being from lower income situations and 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 having a lot of relatable past trauma. And so it doesn't matter if you're white or Mexican or Asian, like our group of friends can all relate to that. Yeah. And so we've we had this talk before, like upper middle class, rich Asian kids, like we'll have friends, right? Like we'll, we'll, at this age, you can make friends with anyone. But that closeness and that level of like loyalty that you you learn on the streets and whatever they don't have that yeah they don't get it they don't know what it's like to survive with each other right yeah. so it's it's they have something different and something special that they can relate to but yeah. for me that belonging and having someone understand you it's really it's 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 really important it's even tougher when you leave that situation and you become more successful and you just cannot um you feel alone. So, yeah. so yeah. But at her age though, I get it because she's not at that point yet where once you get to a certain level and you become successful, you realize how common your story is. You're going to meet a lot of people that rose out of these situations from different races and you're going to be able to find that love within these people. But you're in a hard stage right now because you don't know if what you're doing is the right thing. So for example, you ask the question of, is it right for me to leave people in the dust? And I think, yeah, 100%. I did the same thing. And I always tell people, in order for you to receive people and help them you know, grow or, or, or love them again, 
you need to be strong and you need to love yourself. If you don't, then you become, um, you basically fall into a trap because you're not strong enough to withstand whatever negativity they have for you. And that's the thing, right? So like a lot of people, they want to service other people because they have a good heart or, or whatever it is, but they themselves aren't strong enough to lift anybody up. Mm. So I said, build yourself up. That's why I tell everybody, like for me too, like it, I create brown boundaries between me and my dad. I brought him back into my life, you know, like, um, but I'm at this age and stage where I understand what my limits are with each individual. You don't give a thousand percent every single time, right? You got to do it in stages. And so you have, at, well, 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 bottom line is like, you don't have any obligation to anyone, right? So for example, yes, your mom, you know, she did the best that she could maybe, maybe she fucked up, who knows, right? But she was a teen mom. And, and, and so through right now, it's hard to see this because, because, you know, I think that when you look at her, you're just like, fuck, you could have done better. Why were you so irresponsible or whatever? But at the end of the day, she tried to feed you maybe she tried to figure life out but i i created a rule for myself if my parent did a little bit better than their parent then fine they did a good job sure they could have done better by looking at other people's parents you see that shit i wish my parents were just as loving and great as them but you can't use that criteria because they had better grandparents and their great grandparents did better that's why their family is a completely, mm. they're on a different wavelength. They're on a different stage, right? And then for your own family, you just got to see it this way. And when you see it this way, you go, oh shit, you know what? With the cards that my parents were given, they did the best that they could because they just didn't know any better. And when you have that empathy it, and, you, and you're able to forgive them, you kind of lift the pain. Cause you can't hold that pain for you yeah. forever. It's gonna fucking kill you. Like, like just coming from a person who's, um, you know, had a father who left. Similar story to you, and um, you know, I resented my mom because she was weak. She was uh, like she she wasn't like my other friends' moms who ended up owning a home and and she was financially stable. My mom was uh, always you know, passive and getting stepped on by other people. And I kept looking at her and I was just like, why are you so weak? Right. But then empathy is, is built when you understand someone's history. So when I realized that my grandma was a tyrant and she was super controlling of my mom, my mom never built this independent self of a, of a woman like and I was like how did this happen because my grandma's so strong and she's so independent and she's always taking charge and I realized that she's so strong to the point where she didn't let anybody around her become stronger than her so she was in turn kind of weak because she was controlling and then so when you start to see that generationally right like the reason why everyone's acting the way that they do for example your parents they didn't just one day decide to be criminals or didn't just one day decide this is something that's happened years and it's because they had shitty parents. So you're, you know, whatever. And sure you had a loving grandparent, but everyone knows that the way your grandparent treats you is different from how your yeah. grandparent treated their, your mom. Yeah. Right. 
So you can't see it the same way. And so right now, there's a lot of pain in your heart. And the easiest thing for you to do is blame. That's okay. It's a way of coping. And it's it's a way of getting over it. But you shouldn't feel forced to love them again. And you shouldn't feel yeah. forced to, to, to bring them back into your life. You have no, absolutely no obligation to doing that. Because you are the child. And for you, your job is to build yourself up. And fuck everybody else around you and their opinions. Because I think she's also asking two separate things, you know. Um, you're asking... Here's here's one thing. F- by the way, when you forgive somebody, you're not actually giving them anything. It's actually more for you. Yeah. When you forgive somebody and you choose to empathize with somebody's situation, it gives you understanding and it al- allows you to let go. You're not actually doing it for them. Mm-hmm. You have to understand some, this is I mean, I don't know if people agree or disagree with this, but when I forgive somebody, I'm not doing it for you. Yeah. I'm doing it for me. And forgiveness doesn't mean you're completely allowed to come into my life. Exactly. Be, forgiveness is just I understand that you made a mistake. And it's, I, I'm moving past that. Yeah. Now. Like when I say like I forgive somebody who has done some fucked up things in my past, that's not an all access, all access pass back into my life. No. That doesn't mean I ever forget all the stuff that you've done. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's a representation of who that person is now. It's a representation of where I want to be and where I'm at now. So if I forgive this person who did some fucked up things, I'm saying like, listen, I don't want to hold this shit against you because it weighs me down. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you have to let, I have to let that person back in. Yeah. Forgiveness to me is like releasing the thought. Yeah. Uh, so you can live. So you so you don't hold on to the pain. You don't keep thinking about it. You go, you know what? I'm moving on. So yeah. this is a release. But I think a lot of people confuse forgiveness with I'm going to let you have my trust again. Yeah. Those are two different things. It's very different because trust is things that you have to nurture and build over time. Yeah. You have to take baby steps into it, right? Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that now they have this like open arm come back into my mm-hmm. life everything is the way that it's gonna be you know or should be or whatever that's not the same shit and we'll have that conversation too where some people will say you know i'm pretty sure we've heard people in our life say this they go well, i thought you forgive me i thought we're cool yeah. no i forgave you doesn't yeah. mean we're cool though yeah it means that you know now i can be very cordial with you yeah so i i don't want you to confuse that like like joe said everything is a is a process right so if you do want to let your parents back into your life and, you know, people do have this phrase where they say, you know, you only get one set of parents, a hundred percent true, but it doesn't really erase all the stuff that they've done to you in the yeah. past. I'm not telling you to hold on to these things. And I'm also not telling you at the same time is to just openly just let them back into your lives. Mm-hmm. You have to understand where are you at right now? Yeah. If you're a strong enough individual where you can go ahead and talk to your father who is incarcerated, talk to your father who who made a choice to leave you. Yep. If you have the mental capacity, if you have the wherewithal to withstand that, then please, by all means, when you are ready, do it. Yeah. But it's going to take steps. It's yep. not something that you're going to say, okay, you know what? I'm being a little, I feel like I'm being fucked up to my dad. I'm just going to let him right in. No, pump your fucking brakes yep. and then take those steps. Maybe send him a letter, mm-hmm. right? Start there. Ask him questions. Get to know him a little bit. And even with your mom too, if you want to make that choice to have that person in your life, it's going to be completely up to you. There is no set of fucking rules. If your heart is not ready for that stuff, if you're in a stage of life right now, like you said, where you're yep. still a part of a gang and you're still trying to figure that part out, well, well, maybe we'll address that later, 
right? Let's get to the forgiveness and empathy part first. Yep. And then we'll 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 pick up on those parts because as of right now what it sounds like is that your life right now is is kind of on very shaky stilts, right? Like you're you don't really have your balance yeah, yet. Yeah, work on you, find stability and you're doing the best thing is you realize that you got to cut certain people away. That's the and hard part. I hate that 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 saying people go, "Oh, blood is thicker than water." Or like, "Fuck mm. that." <laughs> Fuck that. You need to be like, this is why I recommend everybody to like, if you can move away for college, find your own person, move away from the city that you're in because we become so dependent on the opinions of family and friends. Yeah. Like, and the more people are in your ear or the more you constantly worry about what people think of you, you don't have the ability to form your own thoughts and your own words. Those are other people's words. So what I mean by that is like, we're constantly talking to ourselves in our minds, right? Like it's constantly running and, and, and most of it could be like worrying about what other people are thinking or whatever. That's why, you know, sometimes these hippies go out and they go, I got to find myself. So I'm going to frolic in the motherfucking Indian jungle, <laughs> you know, but they got a good point because you need to be in a completely new environment where you're not doing the same routine yeah and you're a different person and no one knows who you are and if you can't afford it or or you can be in a just a different place right and they see you differently and and you're treated differently like you're gonna start thinking different and i think that's super important to do for everyone you have to have your own thoughts you have to be strong and you have to be sure of yourself before you go into these situations because yeah. the thing that a lot of people don't do is like you know, a lot of people might watch their spending, but there's emotional spending and we only have so much on a daily basis. Right. And a lot of people are just irresponsibly giving away their like stress, man. That shit, that shit's dude. This is like some stuff that we've, we've been going through this year alone. Yeah. It's dealing with other people's stress to the point where it starts to diminish us on our everyday. Yeah. You know, and I didn't realize this stuff. Like I didn't get it either because I'm trying to be the good friend. I'm trying to have an open ear and an open heart and an open mind. Mm -hmm. But there's a certain point where there, there, there's too much take and not enough give. Yep. You know, and it starts to wear us out mentally and emotionally, and it starts to affect my personal life. Yep. So we have to be very mindful of this stuff as well. And there was a question that you asked at the end too, which was very interesting. You said, "Am I being too stubborn to let anyone in due to my defense mechanisms, or do I have a right to feel and force the way that I feel?" I think that's a I think that's a very weird way to question. I don't think we're, we're talking about enforcing negative habits, right? I don't think you should enforce a negative habit, but you should understand why you do have a defense mechanism for letting people close to you. Yeah. There's once you start to understand that, and it seems like in your case, therapy would be a very good situation if you don't have positive people in your life right now that you could speak to and give you, uh, a, a, a lend you an ear to listen to all these problems. Uh, therapy might be the route for you. Uh, I, I, it's not for everybody. It doesn't work for everybody, but it seems like for me, in my in your case, it sounds like therapy would work. Yeah. Just because um, I, I don't want you to feel like having your, your walls up 24-7 to everybody is a good habit to have. I think it's smart. I think it's smart to keep your shit close to your chest. But when you kind of stop, when you kind of let, let your past define you and your future relationships, this is where... Uh, like kind of problems will begin to spall out just because yeah. like you don't know who to trust anymore. You, you're not really pra practicing um, developing relationships now. Mm -hmm. Now, every time that you're with somebody, you have a red flag up and you're expecting people to fail around you, which I have seen consistently 
all the time. Yeah, a lot of people that's been through trauma. Like I, I what I call it is like um, I would kill people before they can kill me in yeah. my head. Right. Yeah. So like if you destroy them in your head or you destroy their character in your head, um, then what ends up happening is like you you have this sense of certainty and you don't feel like they're going to backstab you anymore because you already it's 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 really fucked up because it's almost like before they can hurt us we're going to make sure that we hurt them or we're going to make sure that we don't trust them so that we never get hurt but what what ends up happening is sometimes we just literally go out and hurt people it's, when they didn't deserve it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. sometimes because you'll you'll meet somebody and because of a lot of your past trauma, you kind of define these new relationships the same way you define your past terrible relationships. Yeah. And so when these people do mess up, they do kind of fuck up or they have these uh, these behaviors that you that you have seen before. It reminds you of someone, yeah. It reminds you of someone in your past and then you say the word, I knew you were going to do this in the first place. Yeah. So you kind of already set people up to fail before they're even given a chance to be mm -hmm. an important part of your life. So you you do have to be a little careful about that. In my personal opinion, this is obviously isn't a professional opinion, but I have seen personal friends who do this where they look at somebody, they go, I knew you were going to do this. Yeah. Like, and it's because they've been through so much pain and trauma and like problems from the closest people in their lives, like their own parents. Right. So they, you know, the way we see the world, it usually is because of when we're young, like it's normalized, like whatever our parents show us, they're the gateway to the reality. But once you get to the point where you see so many different families, the way they do things, what's normal to other people, you realize that reality is different for everybody yeah and so you you have to question at some point the way that i see the world is that even real because that's just been my life and i'm kind of comfortable in it but if i really want to get out of here i got to try different things and trying different things means having courage uh to maybe love to giving somebody a chance and maybe that chance could be hurtful who knows but if you don't push the boundaries and and constantly try to be courageous, um, you're not going to end up finding that peace that you want. That's a guarantee. Because if you stay the way that you are right now and you continuously think the way that you've been thinking and you let your past define you, then the destiny is literally going to be where you at right now till you die. Yeah. And when you went, when you asked in the beginning, like I said, I've, I've never been in a gang, but I've known quite a few people who have been. And I kind of grew up around a lot of people who didn't like gang violence and type of shit. And you're talking about, you know, how, how would you leave a gang? I, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm going to reference uh, one of my friends who left his gang. And what he was kind of saying to me was that um, he left the gang after he went to prison. So they, they used to jack a lot of cars. And back in the day, when you jacked the car, your your sentence was pretty fucking long. Mm -hmm. And now the prison system is so impacted, you get a fucking slap on the wrist. Yeah. You might be in there for a few months. He was in there for six fucking years. Hmm. So six years and he came out, left the gang or whatever, right? And kind of what he said to me was, uh, 
and he was opening up during um it's, it's basically this church activity where you kind of tell your your personal story yeah. your life story and what he said that he kind of defined himself and what the group was always telling him he was right he didn't really have a definition of who he was he didn't like his family life and so what he gained was a perspective and love and family from these group of people but at the same time he said that it wasn't really a lot of love because if he didn't do what they told him to do they would ostracize him as well. Yep. So he was getting the same conditional love that he got from his parents just yeah. in a different group setting. But what he kind of got uh, drunk off of was the power that you get when you're a part of a gang, right? Yeah. That that safety that you get. But what he started to realize was that his individuality couldn't be expressed. Uh, he had to follow along with what everybody else said. He would have to do a lot of shit that other people had to do. And for him, when he went to prison, and you know, obviously when uh, as an Asian American or actually any type of race, from what I've heard, like you have to align yourself with the ethnicity yeah. inside the jail, right? Yeah. Um, so he he faked the funk for those five or six years that he was in jail. And when he came back out, he's like, fuck this, I'm done with this stuff because he lost his individuality. He th- he thought that he was gaining something from this group that that was his everything. And yeah. really they, they took a lot of shit from him. They took his individuality, they took away his free thought and all for what? Just so he could look like a tough guy. Mm-hmm. So the hard part about this, and I think for him, when he left the, the gang life and a lot of these people were, were waiting for him to come out of prison, that he had to deal with this moment in his life where he had to be alone. Yeah. He said that that was the hardest part for him was that all of his friends were a part of that gang. And when he didn't want to do it anymore yeah. Uh, and he left, by the way, he got jumped out <laughs> yeah. when he came out of prison. They fucked his ass up from what he told us. He had to be alone mm. by himself with no community. And that was the hardest part. But for him, kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel was that he knew that he was going to surround himself around the right people. Mm. And when he came to that church, he surrounded himself around the right people. Damn. That's yeah. way more well thought out and planned than me. Because <laughs> the way I left was I just didn't um, see a future in it because uh, we went through a gang war and a couple of guys got killed. And... um the older guys, we gave him money to buy his gun so we can retaliate. So I wanted to continue being a gangster. And then they s- used our money for crack. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And I said, what kind of a fucking gang is this? Like, so in my situation, I probably would have stayed if they supplied me with guns. <laughs> and I'm like, but I saw what a fucking piece of shit everything was. And I'm yeah. like, really? Like, you guys are that irresponsible? And I'm like... I can't be a part of this bullshit, man. So I didn't want to leave by myself. So I manipulated half of the crew. Um, well, not manipulated. Like I got in their ears and I, and I found one ally and I found another ally and we, we basically yeah. orchestrated a, a leave. They can't, they couldn't fucking jump us up or, or fuck us all out uh, or beat us up or whatever. Like if majority of the youngsters leave, what are they going to do? Nothing. Yeah. Just feel bad about the situation. The gang is defunct. We killed it. And a lot of them have a uh, resentment toward some of the members or whatever. And I'm just kind of like, well, yeah, I saw the stupidity. I didn't quite leave completely because I was, like I said, like if they supplied me with guns, I, w- I would have been going because I wanted to, I wanted that life. I wanted more money. And, and I think I boiled it down to, why am I in this? Why do I need a name? Like, why do I need a club name and do all this shit? Like, I have my friends like that left the group. We'll still run drugs. We'll still do other things. Right. So I'm like, why don't we just do that? And so we continued doing that. And then we realized, 
you know, some people kept going to jail and then we're like, well, it doesn't really make sense. Um, it's, it's hard, you know, and I think for a lot of people who are kind of on the, the, the judgmental side of this, they go, gangs are dumb. Why would anybody join gangs? And you're kind of getting a glimpse of why people do join gangs right now. You're looking yep. at this girl's personal life, right? And you're looking at other people who had, you know, broken homes. They find comfort in other people. People yep. do it all the time. Whether my it, buddies, that was exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was always out working. Uh, you know, she was always depressed. I hated being home around her and we would just be at this one guy's house it was like a clubhouse. We just hung out there, like did whatever we wanted, party. His parents were never home. We slept there for like weeks. It was like camping with your buddies. Yeah. And yeah, so I think like for us, it was like, well, we could do all the work without any of the violence or whatever. So let's just keep doing it. But eventually I think it was a slow change. But for me, I started to realize that the world isn't this way. Yeah. And- some people were encouraging me to go to college and all that. And that just changed my, my whole entire world. But it, it wasn't something that I planned to do, you know, yeah. it's kind of like organically went that way. And if I can look back, I don't think anything could have con convinced me to not sell drugs. Yeah. I think the only thing that probably could have convinced me is going like, Hey, if you do this legitimately, you're not going to go to jail. You can do this, like you can build a business. You don't have to be some genius to do it. You can do it. Like if someone just told me that, I would have been like, really, how? I just didn't have a mentor. There's just a lot of like temporary satisfaction that a lot of people feel. Yeah. You know? For me too, like so but so Joe's like a few years older than me. And during his time, I think that's there was like this certain peak of when um where it where where a lot of this gang violence and glorified gang violence was happening. And yeah. then towards my year, it started to die out a little bit. Yeah. So it wasn't as cool. That's when your generation's more like people are becoming emo. Yeah. And then like they were getting into that kind of music. And, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, during my time when, there, you know, a lot of, a lot of the homies were still in gangs, but it wasn't as deep as it was for yours. Cause yeah. there was a lot of race riots. There was a lot of race violence, yeah. like Asians versus black people, Mexican, you know, all this other stuff, even yeah. though Sacramento was inclusive, the gangs weren't, <laughs> you know? yeah. so they, they were, they were mad violent towards each other. Like, uh, like schools were having lockdowns because of shootouts and all this other stuff. And then for me during that time, like I still had friends that grew up in that type of lifestyle just because their older brothers were a bunch of thugs, mm -hmm. or, you know, and for a lot of people for reference, there's a lot of Asian dudes that were older than us that were in gangs because they were bullied yeah. because when they came to this country, they couldn't speak the language. People were fucking them up. They were robbing them. Mm -hmm. And so they said, I'm from a war torn country. If you want to see some fucked up shit, I'll show you some fucked up shit. Mm -hmm. And so you'll, this is how their gang started to develop. So that kind of stuff kind of trickled down into the generations after. And so for me, when it came when it came to me, we had a, we did a couple of bad shit here and there, but I never really quote unquote joined a gang. Number one, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a broken family. So I felt my family elsewhere, mm -hmm. right? I was still technically quote unquote a church boy. Mm -hmm. And three, I just, I didn't have a, I was kind of a pussy. I didn't, I wasn't about that fucking life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I wasn't about that fucking life at all. <laughs> like I, in, in terms of me getting the fist fights was just because I got bullied a lot. Yeah. And that was about it. But in terms of me going out, trying to kill somebody, yeah. that wasn't something I could not absolutely do. It's yeah. not something that I grew up with. Um, it wasn't something that I really found entertainment in. Um, I told a story once before where I got it. I had a gun 
from a homie of mine and even having that gun felt fucking weird yeah. but i took it because i felt pressured you know it's like yo you're gonna need this shit blah blah blah, blah. i'm like thanks <laughs> you know i'm holding this fucking gun it's just this odd object the only time i ever thought i was going to use this was when my house got shot up because of a prior mistake that other people made that i was involved in mm-hmm. and i remember that moment and my brother remembers this too because i think i talked about this before but just for people who haven't heard the story, it was the night before I was going to go to Riverside. My house was supposed to get shot up. The neighbor's house got shot up oh. because they hit the, hit up the wrong house. Yeah. They were going to shoot me up because I was associated with other people. Yeah. That's how terrible that shit is. I'm not a gang member, yeah. but just because I'm friends with them, they don't give a fuck. That's why you got to get out, man. Exactly. Get so, out of there. For me in that moment, though it wasn't a gang, I chose not to be friends with those people anymore yeah. because what what could have happened? My my family could have got shot. My mom and dad could have died. My brother could have died. Yep. And this was the night before I was going to UC Riverside. Mm-hmm. And so by the grace of God, none of us got killed. But I remember I went inside. I grabbed, my, grabbed that gun and I was shaking because I've never used a gun before. Mm-hmm. I just had that gun. And then I kind of stuffed it in my pants. I walked outside and dude... I remember this. It was a fucking Mustang that came up with underglows, rolls up on the fucking lawn. The guy's about to pull his gun out on me. And I shit you fucking not. Ask my brother, ask my mom and dad. Right when that happened, the a fucking helicopter light came down. Boom. Guy freaked out and he jetted. Mm. So that moment, because of a poor mistake that I made to hang around people that I shouldn't been, have been around, I could have died mm-hmm. for no fucking reason. Just because I was associated with the wrong people. And when I, when I cut those people out in my life, and it was it was a slow process. It wasn't completely. Yeah. Just because in my mind, because I used to get bullied a lot, I thought that I always needed those people in my life. Mm-hmm. Like just in case something happens, which... When I was in Riverside, I told the story too. I did call them up once because of a of a fucking house party fight that happened. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? It was just this weird sense of protection that I always felt that I needed. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a part of the game, but because we grew up together, they were always very protective of me. Yeah. So I got kind of fortunate in that sense, in that type of way. But is it worth me almost getting shot? For what? Yeah. Because I hung out with them at a fucking bowling alley <laughs> and then my face was there and then yep. somehow somebody found out where I lived and they tried to fucking kill me and my family. And I got lucky that they shot up another house and I was even more fortunate that those people didn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah, that's literally that life, man. I remember I was at a- um, Scary. It's not worth it. I was at a talk recently, well, pre-corona earlier this year. Um, I was I was talking in, in, in Austin mm-hmm. and one of the kids were like- Hey man, so like I I was able to leave the gang and he's like um or associated. He goes and my friend's still like doing that and I'm trying to get him out. And he goes, but he won't listen to me. What should I do? And I said, leave him. And all the students there were like, oh, that's fucked up, Joe. Like I heard it. And they were just like, no. Like and I was like, wait, you guys don't understand. Like I'm saying that so this guy is saving his life. He say he has to save his own life, and I was like, "You guys don't understand how the gang yeah. works." He goes, "They don't care if you left a gang or you're a part of the group or not. Like as long as they see you associating, you're you're there. Like imagine if he's still hanging out with his buddy. His buddy you're didn't fun. leave the gang. The rivals see him and they shoot him. 
do you think the rival's going to only shoot one guy? They're going to shoot all the guys that are hanging out. And then the students didn't get it. Like, they were just like, oh, shit, really? Like, uh, I, I, I <laughs> couldn't get the... I, to me, I was like, bro, yeah, you got to leave. You got to leave the situation. And everyone's like, no, oh. Like, I was like, why are you saying no? You know why? It's because also, you know, it's a generation thing. If they haven't been around somebody being killed, they don't understand. When somebody sprays, they're not looking for specific people. They're shooting up a whole fucking yeah. house. When my neighbor's house got shot up, yeah. they just sprayed. Yeah. That's all that it was. Yeah. And then when I came out, this dude rolled up just because I was coming out mad aggressive. Right. You know, if I stayed in the house, probably nothing would have happened. Yeah. But then I was so scared and freaked out. I, well, I, first of all, I didn't know that they were shooting up the, the neighbor's house. Yeah. They, I thought they were shooting up my house. But there was a kid in Sacramento. It was this Asian kid. And uh, a buddy of mine does a lot of after school programming in Sacramento and you know, some of the hood spots. This kid is sweet as ever. Right. And there was a news article uh, put out about him. Um, he was getting his life together. His family heavily involved in gangs. He was out in front of the house on the porch at their like barbecue or party. Rival gang came up, sprayed the whole house. He was the only one that died. Damn. What the fuck? So this is not a reality for a lot of people. Yeah. So when they hear that, they go, oh, how can you leave them? It's like, because if you're associated with them, nobody gives a fuck that you're associated. Yeah, you just can't even be a part of it. You got to leave. And then, and that's my whole thing is that you got to get the fuck out of there. I mean, for me too, like even after I stopped being a part of this, like I was a part of the life for a couple of years afterwards, meaning like I was doing criminal activities and then I would still associate with some of the guys and they're just like, yo, come kick it. Let's just have dinner. Right. And then the last draw for me was several years down the line. I was in my mid twenties. I was already in college and then they're like, yeah, let's go. Let's go to the club. And I'm like, okay, we're just going to party. Nothing wrong with that. We go to the club. One of their friends stabs somebody. So we have to fucking get the hell out of there. So we get out. Right. But then on top of that, we go and we go eat afterwards at a cafe. And then the girls that are in the group, they don't like this other set of girls. And in the middle of the restaurant, they fucking start fighting and guys are trying to stab each other with utensils and shit. And I'm just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Right. So we're, I was just like, man, let's just go in our car to another place. Fine. And then another, right when we're about to leave, another group of guys within the group was like, hey, can we come eat with you? We want to get out here too. And then my friend, my friend was like, yeah, let's just go to another cafe. So we go. When we get there, we park. We're walking outside trying to walk into the next cafe. And a car drives by and fucking starts shooting at us. Fuck that, that is dude. this is like GTA in real life, <laughs> yeah. right? And then that is the last part when I was like, man, I can't even get a fucking meal without yeah. like. <laughs> and then I was like, what am I doing, man? Like, I'm a college kid now. Like, I'm I'm different. Like, I'm doing things. That's fucking nuts. This man. is stupid, that's right? Fucking nuts. So uh, that's why. Um, and then within that group too, I'm I'm friends with them. But I told them like, man, I don't want to fucking hang out with you guys. Like, we'll we'll chat and and we're friends. Like, yeah. let's go to a church know. barbecue. <laughs> we'll do that. They shit. know. Yeah, yeah. And because they're still about that life. And so they, yeah, like just the other day, I had to talk my buddy out from killing somebody. And, um, man, it's ridiculous. We're 36 years old and it's like, what the fuck? Right? Like we're, we went different ways and I still care about them a lot. Like we've been friends for over 15 years, you know, or more. And, and the way that they think it's like, and they make really good money now doing legitimate business 
And it's like, you're a businessman. You're making, you know, $50,000, $70,000 a month. People would dream of this kind of cash. What the fuck are you doing? It's crazy how those habits are so hard to kill for some of these guys, man. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of that life scares me so much. And I've even been fortunate enough where, you know, K-Town has still a lot of fucking violence here, right? Yeah. I remember. So there's this bar in K-Town that I used to go to a lot. But when I walked in, I, kid, I shit you not. So I walk in and, you know, there's a bunch of dudes just standing outside, right? A little kind of like, like you know, the, like the, the the younger people in the crew, right? They're kind of, they kind of just got into the gang. Yeah. And they're the more volatile, scary ones. So if you guys don't know, if you see the young people in the group, they will do anything they can to stay in there and to prove their worth. Yep. They're the ones that pop off. Yep. So I'm about to walk into this bar, right? It's a bar that I used to frequent a lot. Dude comes up to me and he puts his hands on my chest. He goes, don't come in. I'm like, why? He goes, because I watch your YouTube videos. He goes, I like you a lot. I'm just saying it's not a good time. I'm like, oh, okay. So I walk away. I found out that night somebody got stabbed. Oh, You know what I'm saying? Like, Damn. There's some shit that happens in this world. And yeah. it's so weird when people hear... When people talk, I feel like the younger version of myself, even though I wasn't in a gang or gang affiliated because I was around these group of people, if I was in that type of like scuffle or some shit, it would make me feel like I was dope if I was a part of it, you yeah. know? But as an adult, when I see that, I'm like, I'm getting yeah. the fuck out of here. This is yeah. frightening. That was, you. I mean, you tell these stories of being in a fight back in the day and it's like, it's like you're a warrior. You're like, you, you know, it's like a glory you're just reliving your fucking past, right? Yeah. But now when I'm looking back, I'm like, fuck. Dude, that's some fucked up shit. Yeah. It's 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 a completely different way of looking at it, you know? Yeah, and when I when I see like young people like that and you know, I kind of look at them and I'm like, fuck, I wonder where this person is going to be later on in life. Um and you and you never really know cuz some people um like Edric when we were at this uh, same bar, mm -hmm. he, <laughs> we walked into the front of the same bar and I kind of saw a group of people. I already knew what that means. I'm like, ah, I don't want to go into it, especially yeah. after that last time yeah. where, where the dude kind of, thank God he was, he knew who I was. He was like, nah, don't come here today. All right. And so I walked away, but that guy that he met up was this large ass fucking Asian dude, yoked as fuck, bald head. Mm -hmm. And he's just went around a lot of young cats. And I'm like, that's full of head honcho. These are all the fucking young mm -hmm. gunners, right? And immediately when he comes up, this guy's just like staring at me. Yeah. And I feel so uncomfortable. I'm like, this guy's going to fucking He's kill like, me. I love your video. <laughs> That'd be funny if he was like that. But, you know, lo and behold, afterwards, Andrew's like, nah, you're cool. You could come in. I'm like, nah, I'm good, dude. I'm just going to walk away. And then he kind of told me about the dude's backstory. And the yeah. guy's a fucking psychopath. You know, and he's still doing that shit. He's still doing that shit. And it's like, I, I don't know about that, man. That shit scares me. Yeah. It's weird. Well, yep. I hope that helped you out. Um, I mean, your life life story is pretty fucking crazy. And it's interesting, like, hearing how young you are and the stuff that you went through because it's very reminiscent of, of our past, you know, and, and people that yeah, we've been around. Yeah, and it still happens. I mean, if you think about it, right, like, her parents are probably a little older than me. Yeah. Just a little bit. That's right, yeah. huh? Because they had her super young. Yep. That's insane. It's funny, too, because, like, so my friend's girlfriend, she was like, you know what, Joe? I'm like, what? You are closer to my parents' age than you are to me. Because her parents had her young, too, and they used to oh, really with the, with the gang and all that stuff. And That's just crazy. Yeah, but they changed and they, they got out of all that. But, That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that helped you out, um, you know, kind of relating it to our lives and stuff. But 
my dear lady, uh, we'll call you Priscilla. I know that you didn't tell us uh, to, to not take your name out, but I think I'm just gonna, not going to say people's names in general because why? Um, yeah. Very personal story. Thank you for sharing. I uh, hope you guys got to listen to a lot of insight. There's honestly so much more stories that we can oh, tell. Oh, yeah. We could go on for days about <laughs> this stuff. But um, Joe, where can they find you? You can see me on my Instagram at Joe Jitsukawa. <laughs> and then uh check out the the 90 days to freedom yes uh, you guys will see that link in uh in the description box below um and we'll see you all next time thank you very much peace <laughs>